Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. Now your host, Timothy George. Welcome to today's Beeson Podcast. Well, today I have the joy of having a conversation with Dr. Justin Wayne Scott. He is the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Jackson, Tennessee, a wonderful pastor of a wonderful church. Justin has degrees from Union University, Beeson Divinity School, and Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, in 2015, he was the MDiv Distinguished Alumnus Award winner here at Beeson. So a, a great connection over the years to our school and uh, to your ministry. Justin, thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Dean George. It's a, it's a privilege to talk with you. Now, let's let's begin by asking you to say a little bit about how you came to faith in Christ and how you were called by God into the ministry of His church. I was raised and nurtured in a Christian family, so I've been in church for as long as I can remember, so I heard the gospel at an early age and uh, came to understand my sin and my need for a Savior uh, as a young boy, so trusted Christ uh, early in life. So in that regard, my conversion is much more like Timothy's than like Paul's, but mm. no less miraculous. Uh, so I'm thankful to uh, have been trusting and following the Lord for um, for a long time and grateful for God's grace uh, to me. In terms of my call to ministry, that obviously came uh, a little bit later. Um, the Lord used a series of events, primarily in my high school and college years. I had some increased opportunities to teach and preach God's Word, some ministry opportunities through uh, our local Fellowship of Christian Athletes at our school, and then some opportunities at the church where I grew up. Uh, And as those opportunities increased, I found myself enjoying uh, the labors of trying to teach and proclaim God's Word, and uh, others began to see and affirm uh, those gifts in me, and certainly my church uh, helped affirm that and, and helped me think through that. And then in college, uh, that continued to, to be the case and uh, really helped uh, kind of seal what I sense God was uh, calling me to internally, had others uh, externally affirm that as well. While we're talking about personal things, I think you should say something about your wife and your children. You have a beautiful family. My wife, Anna, and I have been married uh, almost 15 years. We'll be 15 years this summer, and we have three children, uh, a daughter and two sons, and they are uh, a delight. Wonderful. Now, uh, we could spend this whole podcast just talking about preaching because you, Justin, are a wonderful proclaimer of the gospel. Thank you. But we're actually going to focus this a little differently, and that we're calling this podcast The Preacher as Poet. Because you're not only a preacher, you actually are a poet. You've just published a new volume of poetry, Lost in Wonder, Love, and Praise, Hymns and Poems, just published in 2019 by Whip and Stock. And it's a great book. I had the privilege of reading an advanced copy, and I wanted to talk to you about this whole idea of a pastor who loves poems and who writes poems. Now, I'm half of that, Justin. I love poems, <laughs> I lo- and I read poems often, 
but I have never written a poem. And it's almost like flying a supersonic jet, the idea that you could even do it. Where did you get interested in poetry? I, I think the earliest appreciation, while I would not have understood it probably as an appreciation for poetry, um, started, you know, early growing up, I always had a fascination with the lyrics of uh, the songs that, that I was listening to on the radio or singing at church or whatever it happened to be. I mean, I, I certainly enjoyed the, the music and the melodies and the tune, but there, there was something about the words. I, I enjoyed the way things were said and the imagery that was used and the rhyming pattern. Mm. Although, again, at the time, I, I wouldn't have considered that a love for poetry. I just thought it was something that uh, that I enjoyed. What was your major in college, Justin? I, I was a, a Christian ethics major, okay. so I was not an English you major or anything English, like uh-huh. that. I, I loved um, language and, and literature, but, but that's not what I studied. Yeah. And it really wasn't until I came to Beeson that all of uh, this kind of converged. There were a series of what I would call both indirect and direct sort of influences that led to uh, all of my uh, love for and, and beginning uh, in in the world of poetry. So I remember when I first got to Beeson, there was a class in the course offerings. I didn't take it, but I remembered seeing it listed as the pastor, the poet, and the kingdom of God. Hmm. I don't know if you remember that class being offered. I think Calvin Miller. Calvin Miller, class. I was going to say, yeah. And I just, I remember just that, the, the title of that class uh, was very intriguing to me. And then I remember sitting in Hebrew class or Old Testament classes, class on the Psalms, and realizing how much of the Bible, in the Old Testament in particular, is poetry. Mm. And then hearing professors quote poets or hymns, hearing you quote hymns or Dr. Smith quote hymns and sermons. And uh, so then beginning to have an interest in, okay, maybe I need to read some of uh, these poets, and some I I, I knew of from school, but uh, some I, I wanted to learn more about. So I began to read more poetry. And then there was a particular event that, that really began to move me in this direction. And that was one day in chapel, sitting there holding the hymn book, singing a hymn, and noticing something I should have noticed years and years ago, but never did. At the very bottom of the page on the hymnal, there are uh, words that say who wrote the text and who wrote the tune. And I noticed the person who wrote the text of that hymn was a pastor and theologian I recognized Hmm. from church history class. Hmm. And I flipped the page, and I noticed that with several. And why I never had noticed that, I'm not sure, but I, I, it was just this um, sort of light bulb that went off that the Lord used to help me begin to see so many of these wonderful songs that we sing and the truths that have been put on our lips and in our hearts were written by pastors and preachers. And so I began to study uh, more about folks like Watts and Luther and, and Newton and Wesley and, and began to see that uh, so many of these hymns flowed out of their, their ministry, out of their pastoring and preaching. And so the more poetry I read, the more I, I began to be inspired to try to write something myself, and then certainly the more hymns that I began to read and recognize that this was a part of pastoral ministry. Um, as I learned about meter and things like that, I, I just... I decided I, I was going to attempt to write an Easter hymn. 
Hmm. I was going to write a resurrection hymn. Uh, and that was while I was a student there at Beeson, and that was kind of the very first uh, hymn that I tried to write. And that's really where it all started, and it's um, something I've been trying to practice ever since. Wonderful. Now, you bring up a good point. I, I wonder if you've thought about it or could comment on it, that in days gone by, in an earlier generation or two or three, it was not at all uncommon for pastors also to be poets and hymn writers. Right. Uh, but that has increasingly, it seems to me, become much more rare. Why is that? <laughs> I don't know that I can say why, uh, but I certainly agree that it that it has. And I think that may have been one of the reasons I, I was um, surprised to learn that or didn't, didn't think that that would even be uh, something that, that would be a part of pastoral ministry. You know, I, I think... Uh, certainly, my generation, we, we've grown up, and the, most of the new songs or hymns that uh, are brought before God's people to sing as the Church are written by what we would consider to be songwriters or musicians, not people necessarily in pastoral or preaching ministry. And so it, for us, it may seem odd, but I think for generations of God's people, that was the norm. Um, mm-hmm. I think maybe, possibly, something has to do with maybe the way we, we even think about theological education and uh, how uh, pastors are, are not uh, as maybe attuned to uh, a more general um, education and, and thinking about uh, all of life, including things like literature and language and poetry being a part of uh, the ways in which we can we can use uh, our gifts to, to bless God's people. But... Yeah, but I, there may be more other reasons I'm not. Well, I have a hunch. About. I don't. I don't know if it's it's exactly right or not. But what might be called the vulgarization of language itself. You know, we've dumbed down the the language, uh, elegance, beauty, um, a sense of proportion in the way we speak and write. That's not as important, I think, today. Twitter, Facebook, all this social media stuff that we live with day in and day out, and commercials that we hear about how to sell this or sell that in maybe the most banal way possible. All of this has a collective effect, I think, on our consciousness, not only in the church, but in society at large. But because we're a part of this world in which we live, it's impacted us in ways that are not altogether positive. I would certainly agree. I think you're exactly right. Now, if you're just speaking to Christians, uh, we'll come back to the pastors in the hymns, and I want you to read a couple of your poems and hymns before we finish this podcast. But uh, if you're just speaking to Christian believers, disciples, followers of Jesus, why should they read poetry? Well, I would remind them that, uh, and I think I alluded to this a moment ago, but a good portion of the Bible is poetry. So obviously God likes poetry, uh, so we, we ought to read uh, poetry because God likes it. He gives that to us in His Word, so that, that's certainly one reason. And then, uh, again, something that we may not uh, readily think about uh, as poetry, but our songs, our, our collective songs that God's people sing together are poems. They are lyrical uh, poetry, and so uh, it, it's a way for us to, but like you said, beautifully uh, try to capture praise to God. Um, and and then I think this is important, um, because in some ways it, it goes exactly with what uh, you mentioned a moment ago. We live in a world of, um, with social media and even online articles, we, we are very good at skimming and scanning. 
Mm. And we, we don't read slowly, deeply anymore. And poetry almost forces you to read slowly, forces you to read deeply. It yields its fruit kind of slowly. Mm. And so you have to you have to ponder, you have to meditate, you have to chew on the images and think on what is being stated. And re- that kind of slow, careful reading only helps uh, us when we go to read God's Word. So I, I think reading poetry helps make us just better readers in general, and certainly better readers of the Scriptures. And then I think poetry um, is unique in that, unlike prose, prose is meant to primarily inform Poetry is meant to inform and affect. It, it, mm. it affects us. It moves us. Uh, and I think that that's something that uh, is important. And I think poetry helps us see old truths in new light. So it, it, it gives us uh, a way to see the familiar in an unfamiliar way. Um, and so I think it helps us just be more observant of the world around us. It, it gives us better eyes to see things with. I wonder if you would read us one of your poems and maybe also one of your hymns and say a little bit about them, uh, introduce them to us and how you came to write them. Or sure. I think that would be interesting to hear your poems. Uh, I'll be happy to. Uh, I'll, I'll share a few poems uh, first, and then I'll uh, read a couple of hymns. So we're having this conversation right in the middle of March, and uh, spring is beginning to uh, show itself outside, and so this is a a poem uh, entitled A Mid-March Musing. Spring is at the door, the winter almost gone. Flowers bloom once more, and birds take up their song. Landscapes drab and drear now burst with colors bright. Life from death appears and beauty from the blight. Still the ancient curse fights hard to hold its sway, yet signs of its reverse point to a better day. Yes, each new spring foretells a promise sure and true. The king creation hails is making all things new. Great. And then uh, this is uh, a poem that actually was birthed out of an experience there at Beeson Divinity School. Uh, In one of the spiritual formation classes, we were reflecting on different themes of the Christian life, and one of the assignments was to uh, reflect on the theme of pilgrimage. And so this prayer, uh, uh, this poetic prayer I wrote uh, as an assignment for that class um, was begun there, and then I I finished it uh, sometime later. So this is a a poem entitled A Pilgrim Prayer, and it, it has inconsistent meter, and I did that intentionally because I think our lives are often inconsistent. Uh, and so it, it doesn't have the same meter all throughout. Mm. So this is uh, a poem, a poetic prayer called A Pilgrim Prayer. We pray to you, three-person God, as we on life's journey trod. All the while we look to thee, faithful travelers, help us be. Both our journey's source and end, our broken lives are yours to mend. Because if we pilgrims must be honest, we rarely seem to make much progress. We persevere each trying hour, leaning on thy grace and power. While on this pathway you have made, see us on by love's strong aid. Wrong we are to walk alone or face this journey on our own. 
the church our burdens they do share, and keep us from such great despair. On thy word revealed we stand, until we reach that promised land. Let thy spirit be our guide, till in thy presence we abide. Ah, and I see how the shift in meter uh, kind of carries you into that meaning, the something of the ambiguity of what you're writing there. That that was the hope, so I yeah, appreciate you. It does. Now let's turn to the hymns because, as, sure. as you've pointed out, so many of our hymns, of course, are poems which have right. been set to music. And occasionally you have the same person who does the the tune and also the words, but usually not. Those, right. are, those are different. Um, you're, you're a hymn writer. In fact, I think I knew you as a hymn writer before I was aware of you as a poet. <laughs> Uh, and so uh, you've written a hymn for us here at Beeson, but you've written a number of hymns. Could could you maybe talk about hymn writing and your view of hymns in worship, as, and then read us, uh, share with us one of your hymns? Yeah. yeah, so most of my hymns are written uh, out of reflection on a particular biblical text or a specific theological theme. So um, I may be preaching on a certain text, and, and the more I'm thinking and, and meditating on that text, uh, a hymn may come out of that, or, or I may have uh, be preaching through a psalm, and so trying to write a metrical psalm, a, a poetic arrangement of that psalm that can be sung. Uh, or there may be a, a particular you know, theme, the incarnation or the resurrection, uh, that, that usually inspires those. And, and sometimes the words come quickly, and sometimes it takes weeks and months uh, for uh, me to feel uh, like this is ready to be put together and, and sung. And, and because I'm not a musician, I'm not one who can write the text and the tune, uh, I usually write uh, my uh, hymns in just some standard meter that can then be sung to tunes that we already know and are already familiar with. Uh, and so uh, I'll share um, one of uh, the hymns I've written um, that kind of comes out of my pastoral ministry. So studying God's Word, thinking about our congregation. I was preaching through Galatians, and I came uh, across the phrase that Paul uses in Galatians 4.9, uh, where he says, But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God. And that mm-hmm. phrase struck me that it's not just that we have the privilege of knowing God, it's the, the fact that we have the privilege of being known by God. And just that thought, that He knows us, mm-hmm. uh, began to just stick with me. And, and, and then I was reading uh, an interview uh, that someone had with uh, Dr. James Houston, who used to teach at Regent, about his wife, Mm. was suffering from dementia, and he made mention of the fact that uh, she was fearful that she was going to forget Jesus, and he kept reminding her that what matters is not that she would remember him, but that he would remember her. Ah. And we had folks who you know, were suffering Alzheimer's and had parents who were suffering Alzheimer's and dementia, and, and that thought um, came back to me. And, and and putting those two things together. So I shared that story in the sermon, and then we sang this hymn that I wrote uh, out of uh, my reflection. So it's called, What Joy to Know the One True God. What joy to know the one true God, Jehovah is his name, and know his Son, whose precious blood does save from sin and shame. What joy to know the sovereign God, 
who calms the raging sea, to know he's working for my good and that he cares for me. How great to know this king divine, enthroned in majesty, but greater still, what joy is mine to know that he knows me. I scarce can fathom that it's true, it's hard to think it so, that I, a sinner through and through, am God's delight to know. But yes, tis true, I'm known on high by God who reigns above. I am the apple of his eye, the object of his love. The king of kings unrivaled stands, yet he gives thought to me. My name he's graven on his hands, and his I'll ever be. So when my doubting, fearful soul is tempted to despair, I'll trust my faithful shepherd's hold and rest within his care. I'll trust that he is always good and claim with certainty that though I may forget my God, he'll never forget me. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much, Justin, for this conversation and for your commitment to do uh, the ministry of the Lord, including poetry, and to incorporate that into your own pastoral work. I think it's just wonderful. Uh, Dr. Wayne Scott has written a book called Lost in Wonder, Love, and Praise. That's from a Charles Wesley hymn, isn't it? Yes, it is. Lost in Wonder, Love, and Praise, Hymns and Poems. I commend it to you. It'll be a blessing if you would uh, get this, buy it, uh, and use it in your own life and ministry. And maybe, Justin, could you say a word of encouragement to people, uh, even like me, who've never written poems? Uh, Maybe they could give it a try. What would you say? Absolutely. I would say find a poet that you like uh, and that uh, you appreciate the way they say things, and then practice just by mimicking them. You know, it, it's sort of an apprenticeship. Your poetry sounds a lot like uh, someone else's. That's okay. Keep uh, mimicking them until you develop your own voice, your own style, and and then that that's uh, kind of the way that that it started for me. I think that's probably the case for most. And so it, it's like anything else; you get better the more you do it. Who are one or two of your favorite poets? I. I uh, really appreciate, in terms of contemporary poets, uh, Wendell Berry. I enjoy yeah. uh, Berry's poetry. Uh, and then uh, those who are more uh, of days gone by. I, I, I love George Herbert. Um, I love Walt Whitman. And uh, certainly then John Newton, Charles Wesley, Isaac Watts. Well, those are great. Uh, I'd add one that you didn't mention, but I bet you'd think he's a great poet, too. My favorite poet, John Donne. Absolutely. Yes. He, he was and, a contemporary uh, of Herbert. His work. Yeah. That's right. Well, this has been a conversation with Dr. Justin Wayne Scott. He is the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, he holds degrees from Union University, Beeson Divinity School, and the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. A wonderful pastor, and as we've seen from the podcast today, also a wonderful poet and hymn writer. So God bless you, Justin, in your ministry and your work for Christ. Thank you, Dean George. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast with host Timothy George. You can subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at our website, BeesonDivinity.com. Beeson Divinity School is an interdenominational evangelical divinity school training men and women in the service of Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast will aid and encourage your work, and we hope you will listen to each upcoming edition of the Beeson Podcast.